Hey friends, welcome back to another episode. This week is World Breastfeeding Week. So today's episode and the next episode are going to be about breastfeeding and two women's nursing journeys. Today you guys are going to meet my friend Leslie. She's a community pharmacist turned lactation activist. She provides up-to-date evidence-based information regarding medication used during pregnancy or lactation. She has an amazing story of nursing and how she nursed her daughter through some medical conditions, and we're going to talk also about what gets into our milk, what medications sometimes that do women often think that we can't take, or we think that it has to either be a medication or we continue nursing, and Leslie wants people to know that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing, and... I am so excited for you guys to hear about her story. So without further ado, let's dive into the episode. Hi there, I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of the Gold Digger Podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagen, and her podcast, The Busy Years. Michelle is a mama on a mission dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Hi, I'm Michelle, a sales and profitability strategist, mentor, and captain of your cheering squad. But most importantly, I'm a Midwest wife and mama to two spirited boys, and I'm a lover of learning, family vacations, and nap time. I built my business between the moments of motherhood, and I know that you can do it too. Being a mama is hard, and no one should have to do it alone. That's why I'm bringing women together to share their stories of motherhood, business, and blessings. So grab your coffee, wash your dishes, hey, even take a shower. Because we can do this, friend, in the middle of motherhood. You're listening to the Busy Years Podcast, where motherhood and business meet. Come tired, leave inspired. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I am so excited to dig into your story and when I looked at World Breastfeeding Week and I was thinking of what could we be sharing this week, you were the first person where I was like, we need to have Leslie on. We need to hear your story because it is just so amazing of some of, of, of your nursing journey that we'll get into. And I'm so excited for you to share your story today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I definitely have a unique nursing journey and just my career has completely changed with it. So I always enjoy sharing it because it usually touches people and helps them rethink how they're going to handle nursing and working and all the stuff that comes with it. Yeah. So why don't you just first tell people a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So my name is Leslie Southerd. I am a community pharmacist, but I'm also a lactation counselor. And I had my first and only child four years ago. And that just completely changed my whole 
scope of what I wanted to do and how I wanted to change my career. And, you know, just becoming a mom changes everything anyway, but it really, it just changed everything for sure. Um, and, you know, I'm the primary breadwinner in my family. So my husband stays home with her full time. Her name's Carmen. And it was just a really interesting journey to get back to work and do the whole pumping thing while at work. And then we had some health conditions come up during that time. So it's just been this really crazy journey and that's still going. Yeah. And I will say as like an outsider perspective, like just your strength through all of it. And we'll talk about it like has just been amazing to watch and to be inspired by. So I, that's why I just can't wait for you to share because I know that moms are going to get so much out of your story in all the different parts of it. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's definitely been a journey. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you first tell us, so you said that you um, are a pharmacist, which why don't you kind of explain what your nursing journey going back to work looked like? Because I know that um, that per- made a unique situation for you as so many women go back to work and we have to pump in order to keep our supply up and that that was something that was really important to you. So I'd love for you to just kind of bring people into that story and what that looked like for you. Of course. So as I mentioned, my daughter's four, so it's been a while um, since I've pumped at work, but I returned to work three months after she was born. And with my job, I work basically nine to 12 hour shifts and I'm the only pharmacist on duty. So if I'm not there in the pharmacy, the pharmacy is not open. And it was just a very... I was like the first person in my district to start pumping with some of the changes our company had made. And so I was really like, how am I going to do this? But basically I, what I found was I found a system that worked, which for me was the Spectra pump with the free me attachment. So those are uh, the pump parts actually go in your bra and you can walk around and do things while pumping instead of being strapped down in the traditional pumping sense. And I just had to really navigate that. So I had to figure that out first. And then I had to figure out my schedule for pumping since you never know when someone's antibiotic is going to come in or someone needs a flu shot or who's going to have a consult question. So I really had to navigate that for myself. And what I found is that I was able to set kind of a temporary schedule with some flexibility in there. So I would say I'm going to pump every two to three hours and just know that it's probably not going to be every two to three hours. Mm -hmm. And I just really, I really had to stick to my guns and just say, I'm going to pump now. If someone comes up, let them know I'll get to them. Um, If they put up a fight, let them know that I am pumping and I will help them whenever I can. And that was enough to make it work for us. Um, Mm -hmm. But advocating for myself was the biggest obstacle, I would say. And it was something I'm most proud of because I was able to pump from three months until she was 18 months. And then I decided to stop. Yeah. Which is amazing. And I think that that is something that women of today are learning a little bit more because other women have gone before them in advocating. But I think that that is one of the scariest things because just leaving your kid going back to work is so Mm -hmm. scary and there's so much anxiety around it. And then we just have this fear of like, what if I don't produce enough when I go back to work? What if like they don't let me pump? What if, you know, there's all these what ifs around it. And it's just learning that when you 
can learn to advocate or learn like what are the resources so I can show my employer mm -hmm. like what I need, um, how much smoother it goes. Yes, for sure. And that's, you know, no one likes change. Like we're all creatures of habit and it's the same for the people that you're working with or working for. They, if they've never seen it done before, they're automatically like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. But it's so easy to fit it in and you end up being a happier employee, your family's healthier, providing that breast milk and you end up being more efficient with your time as an employee. So I think it's definitely a hump to get over, but usually people will get on board and it's just that initial advocating that is uncomfortable. A hundred percent. That's how my journey I felt like was, I kind of had a job change between my first one and the first place was super breastfeeding friendly because it was a big company. So they already had accommodations made. And the next place I went was a smaller company that mainly had all men. And so it was kind of explaining to them like, this is what, what we need because there wasn't as many young women and more came after yeah. I did and some of my friends, but you know, just realizing and helping them realize. And, and then they kind of, you know, think to themselves like, oh, well, my wife did this. So of course, you know, right. it's just, it's hard when it's not, I feel like not you, you know, your wife or someone, you know, sometimes. Yeah, it's it's definitely hard for them to make that connection. And it, it's with women too, you know, even if they had pumped at work or, you know, they had a family member that pumped, sometimes it's really hard for them to make that connection because you are in such a different mindset. You're in the business mindset versus the family mindset. So it, it definitely is something that you have to get over. They have to get over as well, but it is something that can usually work it's hard to find someone that is a hundred percent against it. That's unwilling to work. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you said you stopped pumping at 18 months and I know that you did some, you did extended breastfeeding. Um, and I would love for you to kind of talk about that. And then the journey of, if I remember right, you ended breastfeeding and then you started breastfeeding again. Um, so I'd love for you to kind of tell the story and the journey behind that. Yeah, so we so we stopped at 18 months when I for pumping because I ended up taking, I think it was almost two weeks off of work. And I was like, if I'm not going to pump at home, there's no way I'm going back to work to pump. And it actually worked out so well because my daughter was starting to wean anyway. She was kind of cutting back on her pump or on her nursing sessions and how long she was nursing. And so I was able to maintain my supply while going back to work, which not everyone knows that you can do. You definitely don't have to pump. Your supply will naturally go down, but you'll still have that milk there. And we were well on our way to being done with breastfeeding when she turned three. And she was, I think she was still nursing like maybe one or two times a day, if that. And then when she was a month after turning three, she was diagnosed with Wilms tumor, which is a kidney cancer that typically happens when kids turn three to five that's usually when they find it and I just knew that I couldn't stop breastfeeding even though I like mentally I was ready but you know when that, something that significant happens you just you kind of go into survival mode and I was like this is one thing that she's had she's used to she knows it and there's no way I can stop so we're actually still nursing today and she just turned four on Sunday so we're definitely into that like extended breastfeeding period yeah 
Um, so I would love for you to tell us like, what was, I know that part of your nursing and you had to re up your supply Mm -hmm. after she got diagnosed, um, and doctors encouraged you to do that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, what did you do that helped, um, up your supply? Because a lot of times we don't even think, or there's women who your supply is kind of going down, um, and you need to re up, but that is something that a lot of women, we don't hear that you are ready to like wean and you're going down and then you did everything you could to boost it back up. Yeah. So, and I apologize. I just dropped the bombshell of her having cancer, but for me, it's like everyday talk now. So, um, for anyone that's listening, she's doing really well. She's considered no evidence of disease, which is the new term for cancer free and she's into surveillance mode. So, if that made you upset, everything's good. But when we found it, I mean, I, I was nursing her one day and she had kind of bent over my lap and I tickled her on her stomach and I felt this bump. And you just, when something bad happens, you just know it was like an instantaneous, this is not good. I don't know what type of not good it is, but it's not good. And so then we went through the diagnostic process and she ended up having called lung tumor and it's this tumor in the kidney that kind of just explodes like it grows really fast really quickly and then you find it by feeling it or if it actually breaks out so in her case we felt it and we were able to catch it really fast and when we got to the surgeon appointment he was like I'm really glad that you're breastfeeding because you were able to catch it so quickly and it turned out that breast milk was really helpful for her pain. Um, She did require pain medications once the tumor in her kidney were removed, but it did help some with limiting how much narcotics she needed. And then with her chemo, a lot of her chemo made her up sick. It didn't make her feel good. She just kind of like felt up at stomach type stuff. And breast milk was kind of the thing that kind of kept her going. And one of the concerns with her chemo that she was on is kids not having an appetite. And sometimes that leads to having a tube so that they can feed that way. And we were able to avoid all that. And I think part of it is because of the breast milk. So as far as increasing supply, I got lucky because I just had to let her nurse. And some days we were nursing once a day. Sometimes it was it felt like every hour again, like having a newborn. And in that moment, you know, you're to switch from that mindset of wanting to quit nursing and be done with it to having to go back to feeling like you have a newborn, that was crazy. But besides that, I mean, if I had to go through the protocol, it would have involved pumping again. I would have basically pretended I had a newborn where I was pumping every two to three hours or nursing every two to three hours. And trying different things like that. But really what people don't realize is that you're the mechanics of making breast milk are all still there. You still have the hormones and it's really just tricking your body into thinking that you have a newborn and you need that breast milk supply. And there's all kinds of stories about people relactating at like 50, 60 years old and being able to support their family. So it's definitely something that can be done, but it is a lot of hard work because you're basically pretending you have a newborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, I mean, the doctors like encouraged it and I know that yeah. of, and how good it was for her and it helped the pain tolerance. Like, did they feel like, because I know you 
because you have your counselor and I know you're going for to to take the board, to take the test, Mm -hmm. to be board certified lactation, that you know a little bit more of the anatomy of milk than uh, just the average person. Like, is there certain things that were in the milk that they felt like would help fight the cancer? Or were they saying like, we think the breast milk is just really helping with the pain? How does breast milk help with pain in those types of situations? Yeah, great question. So we were really lucky. I mean, if you can't tell by now, I am very passionate about breastfeeding. So pretty much no one goes against me. Like no one is, I guess, brave enough to say, oh, why are you still breastfeeding? Like they just know I'm going to have facts upon facts. But, you know, it was really helpful because her surgeon was so pro breastfeeding himself. And so after her surgery, he was like, you know, now I tell all my residents, people should be nursing till four or five years old if they can, because you can literally catch cancer mm-hmm. by breastfeeding, like you can catch it. And, you know, he, he felt that she was able to have less pain medications because there is, there are molecules in breast milk that will help with pain and relieve pain. And so it's really, it's just, I mean, you can see it in everyday life. Like you have a mom who has a six month old who's teething. Mm-hmm. What's the easiest way to relieve the pain of teething? You, you breastfeed. And it's not just because of the comfort of breastfeeding. It's because there's actual molecules in the breast milk that will help ease and with the pain and the, um, the inflammation and things like that that come along with teething. So breast milk really is amazing. There's so many things in there. And then as far as her chemo, you know, there are actual studies out there that show how breast milk will help reduce the side effects of chemo, especially chemo that might cause ulcers in the digestive tract because you have, you have probiotics that are helping, you have the pain relief in there, you have the immune system support. And the cool thing about extended breastfeeding is that even though you're not getting as much milk to your toddler or to your older child, you are packing a punch because you have way more immune properties in there. You have higher fat content. So you get more calories in there. Uh, before all of this, my breast tested to see what kind of things were in there as far as like fat, protein, and carbs. And my fat content was super high. So I knew going into it that, you know, I was producing pretty high calorie milk and that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. So, um, and then just from like a comfort standpoint, like when Carmen was getting her port access, she hated it. Any kid does. No one likes a needle in their skin. And she was able to nurse right after. So it helps calm her down and just kind of get her through some of those traumatic moments. Mm, yeah, I can, I can relate to how you're talking about the pain and it helps with kids. Like even when they're just sick, Thatcher, my youngest one has had ear infections and serum sickness from getting sick from an antibiotic and all these different things. And that was part of why our breastfeeding journey extended so long because he kept getting sick. And I was like, I'm not taking away the thing that is helping him. Um, Even though some people were like, well, I can't believe you're still nursing him. He's asking you for milk. Like he's old enough to ask you. And I was like, yeah, I know, but it also has helped healing him. Um, Exactly. So I can relate to that. Um, I would love for you to touch on when you were talking about how the doctor said that they feel like nursing can help catch some of these cancers. Can you touch on what they mean by that in the fact that just because you're nursing, you can catch it or what did they mean by that? 
Yes. So in and he may have been saying it in our particular case, but he is the surgeon that they call for Wilms tumor removal in Nebraska. So like that's his bread and butter. That's mm. his favorite, I don't want to say favorite surgery, but <laughs> he's really good at it and he's very proud of his work and he does amazing work. And for him, because because these tumors grow so fast, so just to put it into perspective, she had her well check in August and then by the beginning of September, we felt it. And her pediatrician, you know, when you go into that wall check, they're, you know, feeling around the abdomen. Well, our pediatrician was like, it felt like she was really in there. So, I mean, I could see how far she was feeling in there and you just couldn't feel it. And these tumors just grow so fast. So by nursing, you have that constant contact with your child. And not that you don't when you're not nursing, but you just have that designated moment where you're sitting together, you're more likely to touch them, you're, you know, just all the things that go on when you're nursing. And so from his perspective, I was able to catch it because I felt it because I was nursing her. And ironically, like a couple months after all that happened, another person in the area experienced the same thing. It was a different kind of cancer, but she felt her child's tumor while she was nursing. So, and she saw the same provider. So it's, it's definitely something to note. I'm not sure you'd find it anywhere in science, but from his personal belief, there is an opportunity to catch cancer in that form if you're extending your nursing. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's so many amazing things about that breastfeeding come with and that comes from it. Um, so you had to extend nur- nursing and you're still nursing. And we kind of chatted a little bit before we hopped on here about how hard sometimes it is when you have people that are like, you're still nursing today. Um, and yes. <laughs> I would love for you to just kind of touch on what you've experienced in that. How do you overcome that or, you know, your kind of response to some of that? Yeah. So that, I wondered if I was going to get some pushback because, you know, it's more common to nurse a two or three-year-old that in our area in Nebraska, it's not so common to nurse like a four-year-old. And I was like, if anyone says anything while I'm going through this, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I didn't. I luckily did not receive a lot of pushback. Like I asked my husband how he felt about it. And he was like, well, this is the first child we've had. I've never gone through lactating before. This is all I know. So this this feels normal to me. So that was really helpful. And then our pediatrician is an IBCLC. So I had her on my side. And just the people I surround myself with, they've all breastfed or if they haven't been able to breastfeed or anything like that they've just they know all the benefits of breastfeeding Mm -hmm. and so I haven't really gotten a lot of pushback but I I have read about it I've seen it you know with other people and I think the important thing is to remember is that it's not anyone else's relationship but you and your child and sometimes your partner I mean people will say it's the relationship between you and your child that you have to consider but in for me, I had to consider how myself felt too, because especially in COVID times, like you're in the same area all the time. So emotions come up, but you know, I think people don't realize how enjoyable it can be to nurse an older child or the benefits. So if you have to advocate for yourself, I would mention the benefits, you know, say, like I mentioned earlier, there's higher calorie milk. You are packing a punch with the immune properties that are in there. 
and especially during COVID times, you can say, well, you know, if I'm exposed to COVID, then I would pass on those antibodies to my child, which is mm. you know, something that I can offer that no one else can offer. There's no vaccine for COVID right now. There's, you know, limited treatment. So that's something it's hard to argue with. And then for me, I mean, I get to kind of cop out and say, well, my child had cancer. So, I mean, you can't really argue with someone that says that. So, yeah. you know, the one, the one perk there, but I mean, it's so much fun to nurse an older child. If that's something you are comfortable with, I would definitely, it, I would definitely encourage it if you want to do that, because just the conversations you can have, like, they'll tell you what your milk tastes like. They'll tell you which boob they prefer. They'll tell you more about their day. It's just, it's fun. It's something that you wouldn't get in any other way. Yeah. That's interesting. I never thought about that, that they could eventually tell you or like, no, or that even there was a preference of a side. That's um, really interesting. So, yeah. And sometimes they come up with like weird stuff. Like I asked her one time, like, do the, does each side taste different? And she said, yes. And I said, well, what does the left side taste like? Cause she was on that side and she said happiness or something like that. But sometimes she'll also say like strawberries or, you know, she'll mention something that I ate and I don't know if she's just recalling it from seeing me eat or if she actually tastes it, but it's those kind of conversations are fun. Yeah. So I would love for you as now we are talking about, you know, the taste of milk and stuff like that for you to kind of tell people what you do as an entrepreneur. I would love for you to now dive into telling people about your business and what you do as an entrepreneur and how you are now helping women as a pharmacist um, and with lactation. I just had to pop in quick to tell you about one of my favorite clothing boutiques, Statement Boutique. About a year ago, I was just ready to step out of the postpartum, nursing-friendly clothes and find my style again. And with the help of Statement Boutique, I looked a little bit more put together at school drop-off and I felt so much more myself for date night. Having clothes that felt like they were my style again, but fit the busy mom life and made me feel like me. Head to statementdowntown.com and use the code BUSYYEARS20 to receive 20% off your purchase. Again, head to statementdowntown.com and use the code BUSYYEARS20 to receive 20% off of your purchase. Some exclusions may apply. Yes. So when I first went back to work, the very first day I got back to work, I developed shingles which is now more common with younger people. But at the time I was just like, I don't know anyone with shingles that's in their early thirties. Like this is ridiculous. And I had to stop and think, I was like, is this medication I'm going to take for it? Is that actually safe for breast milk? And I realized how stupid that was because I'm a pharmacist. So like, if I can't answer my own question, who am I going to ask? And that made me really think. And the more I researched, the more I realized that healthcare providers in general do not have a good understanding on medications and lactation. And some people do, but it's more, if those people do, it's because they went out and they, or, you know, they went through the education to, to know that stuff. It wasn't something that they learned in school. And so from that, I created the lactation pharmacist, which is my business. And my whole goal is to provide 
accurate evidence-based information on medication use during pregnancy and lactation. And it's, you know, I do consults with individuals. I am working on a course so that you could learn more about medications during lactation. I also do a lot of social media, but I really just want the world to get to a point where we're not just saying, oh, you need to pump and dump, but the the actual gut re reflex is to look it up and make sure that what you're saying is accurate. And that's kind of my whole mission with the lactation pharmacist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know you have helped me personally a ton. And it's so interesting of now learning from you because with Turner, my oldest, I didn't know you at that time. And I had to have um, a few tests run and they were like, oh, you're going to have to, or they had to like put the dye in. And they had told me like, well, you have to pump and dump for three days. And I was like three days with a newborn. But yeah. now I know that, you know, from you that a lot of times that's not the case and how much we just think because doctors, I think a lot of times I'm just assuming, I don't know for a fact that a lot of times they just say, if they're not a hundred percent sure, they just tell you to pump and dump instead of, um, really knowing. And so that is an amazing thing that a lot of times people, women think that everything that I put in my body, every medication goes into my milk. Um, and that's not necessarily always the case. Right. And, you know, to be fair, it is the provider's license, you know, they're both, if they don't feel comfortable, then it is their right to say those things. But I, I would like people to get to a point where if they don't feel comfortable, they at least have the resources available to look up. And maybe the evidence isn't strong and they still say, I would be more comfortable if you pumped and dumped, but at least they made the effort to research it, which isn't always the case right now. So I know sometimes I dog on other people a lot about like not looking it up, but you know, I have to recognize that everyone has their license and it's their prerogative. So I don't want to insult anyone with that, but it is, you know, and what people don't realize is that it's not necessarily does it pass into breast milk. That's not the concern. The, the concern is really, okay, if it does pass into breast milk, what will it do? And once you get to that point, I mean, there's some things that pass into breast milk. What people don't realize is that some things that pass into breast milk are not available by mouth, which means that once it hits your stomach, it just kind of degrades because it's not active when you take it by mouth. And some of those things are like injections, such as the dye that you experience. Some of them, like I have one person that's on a, an injection for rheumatoid arthritis, it passes into breast milk, but she injects it. She doesn't take it by mouth. So it doesn't do anything once it reaches her baby's stomach. And that's really the step that I think people miss is that yes, things can pass into breast milk, but what does it do after it passes into breast milk? And usually once you think of it that way, you're like, oh yeah, this would be fine because it's not going to do anything. Or, you know, they're like, oh yeah, that does pass into breast milk and it does transfer by mouth, but it's so small that it doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And I think it's interesting and even kind of how you're talking and you said that you work with women who are pregnant as well from my understanding and learning from you, it's also like kind of the same thing that even though we take it, it takes a lot to get past the placenta or even if it passes the placenta, it then goes through a whole nother like system before it gets to the baby. Yeah. And 
then you throw out questions like, oh, I'm nursing my eight month old, but I'm eight weeks pregnant. And then people just lose their minds because then they're like, oh no, I have to consider two babies now. And you know, that's definitely, I mean, it's more and more common to be nursing while you're pregnant. And that's nothing that we learned about in school. So I definitely have a soft spot for that, that small little section, because I feel like they're, they're let down a lot more than just even lactating individuals and lactating individuals are let down quite a bit. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just really, it's a matter of understanding how the drug gets into the body and what it does afterwards. And then if you have an understanding of that, it's a lot easier to answer questions, especially you know, we get a lot of questions about, or I get a lot of questions about alcohol and breastfeeding. And yes, it does transfer to breast milk, but I like to say it's a partier for a reason. It doesn't like to stay in breast milk. It likes to go back to blood and back into breast milk. So it's really hard to concentrate in breast milk and you get a low concentration. So really at that point, the question is, how does the person feel about their baby or their toddler being exposed to alcohol are you okay with any exposure or are do you want to avoid exposure altogether and I take that same approach with medications because some people know that medications are safe they know that it'll be okay to take it but they're just not comfortable so it's really a matter of that as well as making sure that people are comfortable with what happens once it transfers to breast milk yeah yeah that's such a great and I know that that is just like so often because I was the first of a lot of my friends to nurse and to have babies. And they're like, well, can I drink? Can I have a beer? Like, can I have a beer? And I'm like, yes, like if (laughs) you're not going to kill them, it will be fine. And, um, so, you know, that is, it's like one of the things I would love to kind of touch on. And I know that you probably have so many questions when it comes to medications and what goes into breast milk and, Um, one of the things I would love to kind of touch on, because I feel like a lot of women worry about it a lot. I worried about it personally, um, is when women get postpartum depression or really bad anxiety and you have to go on these meds. And I know when I went to my counselor, they were like, okay, we, you're bad enough that you probably need to be on some meds, but it, it can pass. And we don't really know. And even when I asked the pharmacist, when I picked up my prescription, he really had no answers. And he was like, you're just going to have to choose what you think is best. And so then I came to you and I was like, okay, I need you. I need help because I don't know, is this safe? Is it going to like hurt my child in the long run? And I know there's a, a lot of different medications that women can be on while nursing, but I would love for you to just kind of touch on that. So if a mom that is listening and you're nursing and you're struggling and you're, you know, wondering, okay, I think I might need to take medication, but you're so worried that it's going to pass to your child. What advice do you have for them? Yes, that is such an important topic. And you're right. I think I get probably five questions a week about that. And it's important to realize and remember that you as a person are just as important as your child. And you can replace breast milk, but you cannot replace mom or dad or whoever is lactating. And there, it's not always a choice. You don't always have to choose between breastfeeding or taking the medication, which is often how it's presented. So you are right. There's not a lot of information out there on 
medications that help with postpartum depression or anxiety and how it transfers to breast milk or what it does long-term to baby. But there is evidence of what happens if you have untreated postpartum depression or anxiety and what happens with the family dynamic and, and your child developing. So it's you shouldn't have to choose and most of the time you don't. There are definitely medications in that class that you have to make a choice on, but typically that is those aren't first line medications. And so that's always important to keep in mind, just that you're important, you don't have to choose, and usually you don't have to choose. Mm -hmm. But as far as medications, you know, I'll just throw one out there, Zoloft. Everyone typically knows what Zoloft is. It's an antidepressant. It can be used for anxiety. It's a really nice first-line medication for both conditions. And it has the most research right now as far as how it affects breastfeeding and baby and all, and growth and things like that. So what they know about Zoloft is that when a baby takes it in through breast milk, you have to be taking 200 milligrams a day before you even get blood levels of it in baby. And most people, to put it into perspective, it starts at 25 milligrams. And most of my patients are on 25, 50, 100 milligrams. So the chances of you getting to 200 is pretty slim unless you've been there before. And so taking it into consideration, you know, if you have to take such a high dose in order for it to even show up in a baby's blood, then the risk of taking 25 or 50 milligrams compared to having untreated postpartum depression, that tends to help people put it into perspective. And I think that's kind of the conversation you have to have with people instead of saying, this is what I recommend. We don't know much about it. So you have to choose. It's, you know, let's compare the risk of taking a medication versus, you know, how comfortable do you feel? What have you tried before? What are your goals? Those are kinds of things. But ultimately, it's usually not something you have to choose between breastfeeding or taking the medication. Um, this has been such a great conversation and we've touched on so many good topics that I think are going to help women. Is there any other topic that you wanted to touch on today that you wanted women to know about or any last advice that you have for moms? Well, I've really enjoyed being on your podcast. So thank you for having me. And I guess I just want to remind anyone that is lactating, you know, male, female, however you associate or identify breastfeeding is not all or nothing and you don't have to choose between taking care of yourself and breastfeeding and I think that's really important to remember because there is benefits even if you only give one bottle or only nurse one time a day and the rest is formula or the rest is regular food there are identifiable benefits to that so it doesn't matter how much ideally you want to breastfeed as much as you want but it, it just has to be, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And medications are generally safe while lactating, and you don't have to choose between taking care of yourself and taking care of your child. So I think that's the most important thing I can say. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so my last question I always ask everyone at the end of the podcast is if you could look back on yourself deep in those little year, like, the tiny little years, you're still in the little years, but you know, in that newborn life, if you could look back and tell the Leslie something that the Leslie now with wisdom 
has and knows, what would you tell your past self? I would tell myself to enjoy it. I feel like I enjoyed it very much. I was in the moment, but you know, you it's cliche, but you only get those moments once and the house will wait, the job will wait, everything works out in some way, but just enjoy those times that you get to snuggle them. You know, don't worry about other people's opinions, just focus on what's best for your family and just really enjoy that time because it goes too fast. Yeah, I 100% agree. If anyone wants to connect with you after this podcast, um, where can they find you at? That's super easy. So I have a website. It's www.thelactationpharmacist.com. And then my social media handles are at The Lactation Pharmacist. So super easy to find me, Instagram, Facebook. That's usually where I'm at. And then, of course, my website. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom today. And I cannot wait to get your story out for mamas to hear. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Busy Years Podcast. This episode show notes and all past episode show notes can be found at michellehagan.com slash podcast. I would love to put a face to the listener. Come over and join me on Instagram at michelleannhagan. Or you can join me in our private Facebook community just for the Busy Years podcast listeners called Hey Mama, Let's Connect. This is a community where you can dig in a little bit deeper to your dreams, share your dreams out loud with like-minded people, let people cheer you on in what you are currently doing to chase your dreams, and learn a little bit more about our episodes, and I'll even pop in there every once in a while to teach live. I can't wait to see you and meet you, my friends. Hey mama, did you need someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams? That you can take action in the middle of motherhood? I just wanted to pop in and give you another reminder, friend, that you got this. You can do this in the middle of motherhood, no matter how busy the years get.